Welcome to the Montgomery Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to grow deeper in your faith. If you'd like to learn more about MCC, you can visit our website at mcc.church. Are we thankful this morning? God is on the move and has been doing amazing things. We're so excited and for what God has been doing in Rooted in and through our lives. And this is a special day, again, of celebration for just seeing all that God has done and celebrating in advance for what he's going to do. So thank you for being here. Thank you for being part. And again, if you are just new with us or just started joining with us the last few weeks, uh, we're going to launch uh, Rooted Again January 30th. So I encourage you to dive into that. Well, I don't know about you, but uh, when I was thinking back in my life, back to the days when I was dating my wife, Carol, there was something that struck me back then that I've never forgotten, and it's how different our families were from one another. I mean, vastly different. For example, in my family, uh, we had, knew we had extended family members, but not all the extended family members even really would dialogue with each other or see each other. We were kind of disconnected. For example, I didn't even see my own grandparents for several years. Uh, if, if people were deemed as different, well, then people would kind of stay away from you. In Carol's family, it didn't matter how strange, really, or abnormal an extended family member was. If they were part of the family, they were embraced like family. How is your family? How does it operate? Because in my family, when we had that occasional family reunion, well, family members would come and they would sit around the tables nicely eating with each other. And then after the meal was done, they would kind of go. In Carol's family, they celebrated each other by making everything into an opportunity really to experience more than just a meal. If their family was together, it was a party. In fact, I quickly learned that when they would gather together as a family, whenever that was, there was one thing that would happen, I mean, without flaw. I mean, you could bank on it. When they gathered together, at some point in that gathering, the stereo would be cranked as loud as it could possibly go so that everyone there could dance and sing at the top of their lungs. Right? Come on. Woo! Yeah. We are family. Are you ready to celebrate this morning? Because we are family. Are you ready to celebrate this morning? We are family. And what's amazing is the family of God is vast. It's vast. And we are family here. That means people of every background, race, creed, tongue, color of skin. It means young and old, male and female. I mentioned it the first service, and I want to mention it again. I had a moment. I'm sitting here up front. I looked over during worship, and I saw something beautiful. I saw one of our family members, they're over 100 years old, and they had a person on either side of them helping them to stand so that they could sing songs they probably had never heard before. I mean, they're just singing at the top of their lungs to worship God, and that's how I want to be. I hope that's how you want to be. It's part of being the family of God and celebrating it when we're together. So that means as we think about this, though, we have family members all across this world because of Christ's work on the cross that we just sang about virtually in every country all around the world, we have family members. 
Today, I want to focus, though, on our local church family right here at MCC and how God has called us to grow with each other so that we can go out into this world as salt and light, as change agents for him. We do that because by his work, we are family. And while we had no part in choosing who our family members would be, we celebrate knowing that God, according to his goodness and his wisdom, has called all of us together to be family together. Think about this. Paul wrote so beautifully. He said, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Isn't that amazing? So wherever you are, online, here in this place, I want you to look at the person to your left or to your right, really want you to do this and say, we are family. Celebrate each other right now. We're family. We are family. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And they're especially family over here. Don't you love it? I love it. Yeah, it's here and over here for Epic. It's wonderful. And in light of my family growing up, think about our Christian family, our church family. Then how are we really to treat one another? I mean, God has called us together. We are family. That's one thing. But then how do we operate? What does that look like? Well, Paul says this, your love for each other as family members must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love. That means I love you. You love me. And despite the things we may not understand about each other, we love. It's why Paul says after he tells us to be devoted together in love, he then describes, so we're not you know, uncertain about this, he describes what this kind of devotion, this kind of love looks like. I want you to listen to each word. I want you to grasp the phrases here and ask yourself, am I loving like that? Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. I ask you to think about phrases that struck you. There were a couple that, that struck me. For example, it says to mourn with those who mourn. And I got to tell you what, just here this morning, as I was walking in and seeing some of you out there in the lobby, because of your love for me and because you know what's important to me, you were mourning with me, and that's why you wanted to make sure 
that I knew all about that Michigan State football game yesterday, that I was well aware. I thank you for your concern and your support. I really felt it. Um, I don't know exactly where, but I really felt it. I um, want to thank you for that. That's, that's love. That's devotion. But really, what, what does it look like for you? Bless those who persecute you. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Are you rejoicing with people? Are you really mourning with people? Are you living in harmony with people you don't necessarily understand who are part of the family of God? Is there any pride that creeps up in you? Are you willing to associate with people that, you know, maybe aren't at your income level? Are you? And one phrase that struck me as I was thinking about our church family was being faithful in prayer. We're going to talk about prayer a little bit more in just a few moments, but I want to talk about being faithful in prayer for one of our family members right now. Patty Howard, uh, she is our care pastor. I mean, she has been serving us so faithfully, so, so amazingly. Uh, she also has served us through the years as one of our worship leaders and directors, especially in our chapel service and years before that. Well, this past Friday, uh, she had surgery and, and it showed that she has ovarian cancer. And they believe they, they caught it all, but they're really looking for the pathology reports to come back later this week to really know what to do next. And I want to just pause here for a moment and let's pray for one of our family members and her husband, Stace. They are walking this together. And so let's pray for them. Dear Father, we thank you that we are family. Because of your work, we are family. Lord, many times we overlook that. We just think we just go to church and then we go home. No, we are called to be family, to care for each other, to pray for each other, to mourn with those who mourn, rejoice with those who rejoice. And right now, we as a family, we pray for Patty, for Stace. God, we pray that as they're there in that hospital room right now, that they would know and walk in that peace, your peace that surpasses all understanding. And Lord, as they're facing everything that they are, and I know Patty is dealing with a lot of pain right now from the operation, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would be her strength. I think of Psalm 46, it says, God, you are a refuge and strength, an ever-present help in times of trouble, so we will not fear. Lord, help Stace and Patty to walk in your strength and to not fear. As it says later in that same Psalm, that they would be still and just know that you are God, that you are there. So surround them with your presence, surround them with your grace, surround them with your strength, surround them and fill them with your peace. Make your presence known. And Lord, we thank you for the doctors that are there and the nurses and all the healthcare workers. Lord, you place them there for a reason and we give you thanks for their gifts and, and how they serve. And Lord, we pray that you would use them in all of this. But also, Lord, we pray, as we've seen miracles before, that you would touch what only you can touch and heal what only you can heal and restore what only you can restore. Christ, you went to the cross. You, you, you suffered for us so that we could have you know, spiritual healing and be saved, but also that we could be healed, either here or one day when we join you in heaven. And so we pray for your healing work in Patty's life. And Lord, for your wisdom and your strength for Stace as he walks alongside of her in this journey. We pray for them. You love them, we love them. We're family. And we lift them now to you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Family members, this is the call that God has placed on us all. Are we taking it up to be devoted to one another in 
love. That means selflessness. And so in light of what Amy shared earlier about how we've studied through the book of Acts, let's ask, how was this kind of devotion manifested in the early church? And how should it be manifested now in our church? Well, when we look back in the early church, we see them being devoted to some things, some core activities that rooted them in the faith and caused that church to grow in a variety of different ways. In light of that, let's take a look at Acts 2, 42 and 44. They devoted themselves, that's the word devoted again, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. All the believers were together and had everything in common. As we end our Rooted series today, we wanted to do so by engaging with the very activities that the first church did. We're going to do that. And we, it starts with being devoted to the apostles' teaching. And we're doing that right now, and we study God's word every single weekend here. It's an honor. It's a privilege. And as we are devoted to the apostles' teaching, devoted to learning the Bible and Scripture together, we also must know something else. There's actually two aspects to this devotion. The brother of Christ said it so well in one verse. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. You know, we, we need to be more than just people who come and learn and go, wow, that, that was kind of a cool thing. I didn't know that. He says, don't deceive yourselves with just this knowledge that you've learned. Do what it says. There's never been a time like we're in right now. Our culture is divided. People are against one another. And now more than ever, this world is crying out for Christians who aren't known just for what we believe. They want to, be, they want to see us live this out. That we are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. How are you doing that, students? Those who are retired here, how are you doing that? Those who are going to a job tomorrow, how are you doing that? Those who are overseeing your family, how are you doing that? We need to be hearers and doers of God's word who then are also devoted to fellowship. Fellowship. That means being family together. And let's be honest, this is a core activity that's greatly lacking in the global church today. Uh, it's greatly lacking, I think, uh, one reason is just because of COVID, because of this pandemic. People were separated from one another for a long season of time, and then we watched services online, and various churches, including ours, have gone through the phase of trying to you know, bring people back to church again. And in all of this, fellowship has suffered. I'm thankful for technology. I'm thankful that our services can go out to all kinds of people, many watching right now. I'm thankful for that. But let's not forget that we cannot really enjoy being a family. And we cannot enjoy being part of the fellowship when we're separated all over the city in our individual apartments, in our rooms, and in our cars. That's why I want to urge everyone here, especially those watching Come after the service today. Get in your car. Drive here. We're going to gather in the powerhouse. We're going to eat together. Uh, we're going to have a great time together. Don't miss this. And those here, don't, remember, don't forget this. After the service, you're just going to walk out and we're going to continue in this celebration. Because we're devoted. As the Bible says, we devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and also to the breaking of bread. It's the third core activity of the early church. And when they talk about the breaking of bread, they're talking about communion, remembering and reflecting on what the Lord has done. DJ is going to lead us in this next time together. DJ, thank you, my brother. Thank you, sir.
So as you came in, you were given the elements. Those of you who are at home while we're preparing the elements, run to the cupboard, grab some crackers or some bread or some juice or something and get back to the TV or the computer screen or whatever you're watching us on. But as we prepare for communion, I wanted to just expound a little bit on communion. Many of us, you know, in our generations have only known communion to be what we're about to partake of, right? However, in the Bible days, communion was whenever people gathered to break bread. That was communion. Okay, students, we, brought, we had communion Wednesday for Friendsgiving. Uh-huh. Some of you are going to have communion in just a few days for Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. But that's communion. Now, the significance and the sacredness of what we're about to do is very important. We should always, when we're preparing this, we should always remember that it's not just a wafer or bread or juice or whatever drink that you have, but it is us remembering what Jesus did for us, Erica. It's remembering that because of his sacrifice, healing is available to us. Deliverance is available to us at the table. So in your lap, that's your table right now. At home where you're sitting, your coffee table, that's your table right now. Where we are right now, this is our table where we reverence what God did through his son Jesus to give us access to everything, to break every stronghold, to be victorious in spiritual warfare, to, to be steadfast in our faith. So where you are, put out your bread or your wafer. And I just tore it. The Bible says that as he was preparing it, he said, one of you that dippeth in this cup with me will betray me tonight. And they all began to frantically say, is it I, teacher? Is it I, rabbi? Is it I? Who, who is it? Of course, he didn't answer that. But he took the bread and he broke it. Now take that wafer in between those three fingers and snap it. That's the breaking of his body. Uh-huh. He said, this bread is my body, not a symbol, but this bread is my body, which is broken for you. So I charge you here and you there to take that bread and eat ye all of it. Thank you, Father. Then he took the cup. He said, this, this wine is my blood which is shared for you. And he took it, and he lifted it, and he blessed it. Then he shared it. So take your drink, your juice, and drink it. Then he said, for as often as you do this, you do show my remembrance until I return. Yeah. There should, there should be something that happens in that moment when you do it. it. It's not just a ritual. Okay? But it is us experiencing. That's the greatest remembrance. Father, this was your blood. This was your body, which was broken and bruised and beaten unrecognizably for me. 
So it should always be a solemn moment. It should always be a moment we revere and we respect and that we extend reverence. So we are the church and we are family. As they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. See prayer in the life of the church and the church family and the family, the nuclear family is essential. Mm -hmm. Prayer is, watch this, the world's greatest wireless connection. Yeah, yeah, prayer is the greatest wireless connection. Why is it the greatest? Because you never have to wonder if you're going to be out of range to talk to God. Mm -hmm. You never have to uh, wonder if you're going to have enough signal. Okay, and guess what? Sometimes you don't even have to part your lips. You could pray from your heart. And he hears you. The Bible says he knows our thoughts while they're yet afar off. So you can always talk to him in the old Baptist church uh, where I grew up at. There was a song they used to sing that would say Jesus is on the main line. Tell him what you want. (laughs) And that was to imply that no matter where you were, if you picked up that line, Jesus would be there to listen So wherever you are, if you're in this room, if you're watching, if you're driving, wherever you are, wherever you are is the right place to talk to God. And prayer is always in order. Prayer is when you you exhale man and you inhale spirit. Yeah, it's when you exhale who you are and you inhale who he is. Why? Because we want him to be who, we want to be what he wants us to be, right, Jaime? Is that right? That's right, right? So, so prayer is when we're asking God to align us with his will for our lives and not when we ask God to align with what we want. Sometimes, Seth, you know, we have a tendency of saying, God, this is what I want to do and I need you to bless it. That's in reverse. See, prayer is this two-way form of communication. It's this two-way conversation. Young people, is this not the most important conversation? That's what we, that's what we teach in Next Gen, that this conversation, this stream of communication is most important. Why? Because if this is absent, these relationships may seem to work But at the end of the day, they're going to fall flat. Why? Because you're operating in your own strength. So prayer can be summed up in four components. Prayer is this conversation and it involves adoration. Father, we love you. Repentance. Father, I turn away. See, contrary to some people's beliefs, forgiveness and repentance are not the same thing. Okay, that's a whole nother lesson. Then there's thanksgiving And then there's supplication. Like the early church devoted themselves to prayer, likewise, we must devote ourselves to prayer. And this morning, I got a few people here that are going to come up with me. My wife, Shantae, and our son, Christian, are going to come up and pray with me. I, I think the students might know them a little bit. And we're going to pray for just a few minutes. Come close. And what's going to happen is my wife's going to pray about honoring God and about being in harmony with one another. And then Christian's going to come and he's going to pray about humility. 
In Jesus' name. Let us pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for this day, for this is the day that you have made and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. Father, we call you Emmanuel, God with us, oh God. God, we call you El Shaddai, God Almighty, and El Elyon. Father, we ask before we do anything else, oh God, God, that we, we repent of our sins, oh God, in word, thought, or deed, oh God. God, and we thank you for your Holy Spirit that leads and guide us into all truth. Now show us, us ourselves, oh God, that we may turn away from those things that disheartens you. And help us, oh God, to walk in love and forgiveness, oh God, so that we may walk in unity and harmony with one another, oh God. For your word declares in Colossians, oh God, that love is the perfect bond in unity. So teach us how to love like you love, oh God. Teach us how to forgive like you have forgiven us, oh God. That we may become the church that you have called forth in this season, oh God. So help us, God. Help us experience, oh God, the manifestation of true harmony and true humility, oh God. And true harmony and unity, God, in the body of Christ, oh God. That it may spill over in our homes, oh God, and in our church, oh God. That when you come back for the church, oh God, we will be without blemish, oh God. And Lord, we pray for a revival. We ask that we don't see ourselves more than what we already are. We ask that we can see like you, love like you, walk like you, be humble, have humbleness and humility like you. Father, we ask that you watch over this church, help build this church, help us know that it's your church, but help us also know that we are the church. Holy Spirit, flow in this place and help us to know when we're being proud so that we won't be so proud, so that we won't be proud so much to the point where we don't even know what you're working in and that we're always focusing on ourselves. And I ask that you give us the wisdom to realize that we're doing, that we're being proud. In Jesus' name, amen. So I just need a second. They say, a you know, if a tree by the fruit it bears, there's nothing like a praying family. There's nothing like a praying wife. But oh, Lord, there's nothing like a praying child. So we join like the early church. Mm -hmm. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. All the believers were together and everything in common. They had everything in common, the Bible says. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And when the Bible says they had everything in common, <laughs> pretty much means everything. Yeah, it pretty much means everything. They, were, they had unity of purpose. They were unified in the delivery of the gospel, of, of the intentionality and the urgency of the gospel. They were unified in that. Pauline, they, they even were unified in wanting to meet the needs of those 
who had need. Mm -hmm. Meeting the needs of those in their community. And the result? Yeah, they gave to those who had need, where they had need, and it was amazing. So I want to share with you a quick story that I'm going to take my seat. Just recently, there was a family in one of our partnering communities over in Village Green that experienced the death of their mother. Immediately, the 21-year-old daughter became the head of the family. Then one of our church family members met with them to find out what they needed. So what happened, Jemiah, they sat down and said, what do you need? And they, they figured out everything that was happening with the family. They found out that they were going to need help with the memorial for their mom. So the servant's hand organized the memorial service for the mom. Then our benevolence ministry right here at MCC paid. Uh, they covered their rent and we paid for other expenses that they needed until the daughter could get back to work. Then a couple from MCC purchased bunk beds for the little brothers so that they could have adequate space in their bedroom. And then someone else purchased floor coverings for the kitchen because that was what was needed. And a small group uh, even purchased warm coats and things for them because that's what they needed. And guess what? They needed those coats, not just because it's cold outside, but because they had no heat. So then we bought space heaters, Matthias, so that we could take care of trying to help keep them warm. Someone say one church, one family. I had you say that because then here comes a wealthy Catholic family who donates furniture and they donate a gently used car and gave it to our benevolent ministry right here, housed in the building, right back out the, out the window there. And then we gave that car to them so that they could have transportation. Now, okay. See, Pastor Phil, I thought I would have to go there like 9.30 because, you know, at 9.30, they just kind of kept staring at me. And I was like, I just said that we were the hands and feet of Jesus for an entire family. We, we clothed them when they were naked. We gave them heat when they were cold. We fed them when they were hungry and we provided the things that they needed. And that is what we are to do. So I'm glad you rejoiced with me there. I didn't have to pull on them or tug on them too hard. But by doing those things, I don't say that so that we, we brag. For, forgive me if that was how that ever, if that came across that way. We wanted you to understand that not everything that the church does will be printed in the bulletin. Not everything that the church does, you'll get to see on a day-to-day -day basis. Not every time we, we staff don't take a Friday or a Saturday off and we counsel people for five hours on the weekend. You don't get to see that, but guess what? God sees it. And we need you to know that our commitment is to the gospel, to spread the gospel, to give the gospel and do the things that God said do and the things that Pastor Field told us, what Paul said in directives a little earlier. He says, honor one another above yourselves. Mourn with those who mourn and be willing to associate with the people of low position because, Miss Esther, we are family. And as family members, you're going to experience uh, what's going on in some of the life of some of our family members. We also embrace the seven rhythms that Amy talked about earlier, and I want to just focus on those for just a moment because they're so important. 
We have been learning about this throughout our rooted experience, and here are the seven rhythms. Daily devotions. Now, as part of Rooted, if you have that book, and many of you do, daily devotions are right there for you uh, throughout the week. Uh, after this week, though, Rooted is over. What are you going to read next? I encourage you to dive into the Bible. But what does your daily devotions look like? What could it look, look like? What will it look like? Where are you going to start? Make sure that's part of your daily rhythm. And then also prayer. We have prayed for Patty and Stace earlier. We were led in prayer beautifully earlier. It's powerful, but what is your prayer life like? What could it look like for you as you go to your workplace tomorrow? What could your prayer life look like when you go home later today? What could it look like as you walk the streets of your neighborhood? Could you pray for the people that live close by you? What could your prayer life look like? And then another rhythm is freedom from strongholds. It's the idea that, of course, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins so that we could know salvation and know freedom, but that we would live in that freedom, not being bound by anything that would control us. If you're being controlled by anything, I encourage you to lay that down, whatever it is, so that you can walk in freedom. That's what God wants for you. And then as you walk in freedom, you embrace sacrificial generosity. There's another rhythm we've talked about throughout this series that you give. You give of your life and of your gifts and of all that God has given you monetarily. And it's a reminder when we walk out of here every Sunday that there's the baskets back there, an opportunity to give sacrificially and generously. Then we also serve. Last weekend we served. We had hundreds of people from our church family serving all over Cincinnati. It's why we have Hands Against Hunger the second weekend in December to serve as a family, but where could you serve? God has positioned you where you are for a reason. Are you taking advantage of that for his glory? And then sharing our story. We talked about this last weekend. You have a story. No one can argue with your story. God has brought you to saving faith. Did you take time this past weekend to write it down? So you're ready to share it when you have an opportunity. And then to live your life in celebration of all that God has done, what he's doing right now, and for what all he's going to do in your life. These are the seven rhythms. And yes, today afterwards in the powerhouse, we're going to celebrate. We're going to have some really good fellowship time with one another. But before we do any of that, I want us as a church family, as you're watching online as well, to experience what we're going to celebrate right now because of what God has done through this Rooted series in the life of some of our family members. I encourage you to get yourself ready for this. Listen to the words of this, this song. Watch the testimonies as they come out. And as you experience everything you're about ready to experience, give God the glory. And not a golf clap kind of glory, like that's really nice, God. But glory. Are you ready? Let's celebrate. Let's celebrate. Thank you. 
done here among us. And trust me, guys, this isn't about just, just doing this for Rooted. Our God is still changing lives. Our God is still engaging with His creation, with His church. He's among us. He's doing great things. Let's all take it in this morning. Amen. 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 Jesus told His followers, He said, You will receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Power. And friends, we have seen the result of the Holy Spirit's power among us, and He is at work. He is doing more than we could ever imagine or think, and we give God the glory. And He's given you power. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, He has empowered you by His Spirit to use the gifts that He has given you to make a difference in the lives of people right in this church and outside the walls of this church building. Power, friends. Not to live as a Christian timidly, but to realize that because of his resurrection, there's a resurrection in us. And there's a revival waiting out there for all those who will take up the call that Christ has placed on us to represent him in this world. Is that you? Is it you? Because there's a charge I want to leave with all of us today. And it's a charge. These are serious words. I want you to listen to them. And then through each statement, if you agree with what I'm saying, I'd like you to respond by saying, I do. And not a, a timid like, you know, I do. But a conviction level, I do. And this is the charge. Are you ready, church? Everyone, if you're not standing, if you're able, please stand. Friends, family members, do you commit to following Jesus, the Savior of the world? Will you rely upon the power of the Holy Spirit to transform you so you can look more and more like Jesus? Do you commit to living a lifestyle of faithfulness by listening to God's voice and then honoring Him with both your words and your actions? Do you commit to living the life of a servant where you place the needs of another before yourself? Do you commit to living a lifestyle of generosity, knowing every single day that God is the owner and you are the manager? And do you commit to sharing your story of hope in Jesus wherever and whenever you have an opportunity to do so? Well then, friends, family members, based on your commitment, I charge you to go out into this world as the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And I charge you to go out and be a minister of God's grace, a minister of God's truth. Friends, he has done a great work in you, a revolution within you, a restoration within you. And now, let's let the revival start as God's spirit works in and through you to his glory. Amen. Amen. Go out, enjoy each other, and we'll see you next weekend. Thanks for listening. You can stay connected throughout the week by following Montgomery Community Church on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about MCC, visit our website at mcc.church.